Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for men in their 40s who want to improve their health through nutrition and fitness. This is episode 99, and on today's episode, we are speaking with Lauren Comley from Berkhampstead Chiropractic on the importance of maintaining a mobility, flexibility, and spinal health before we have any issues. Lauren is a GCC doctor of chiropractic and the owner of Berkhampstead Chiropractic and is passionate about strengthening our bodies to suit our environments. But before we get into today's episode, I want to take a moment to mention the show's sponsors, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is formulated with 75 vitamins, minerals, and carefully selected for high potency and bioavailability. Athletic Greens, because it is in a powder form, is more bioavailable than pill-based supplements. It's kind of like an insurance policy. Now, I'm a big advocate of getting all of our nutrients from real food, but with our hectic lifestyles, this isn't always possible. And I personally take Athletic Greens on a daily basis to ensure I'm getting all of the nutrients I need And Athletic Greens is offering the listeners of the show a 10% discount off their first order. So head over to athleticgreens.com forward slash fitterhealthierdad to get 10% off your first order. So let's crack on with the show. Hi Lauren, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Hello, I'm very well. Thank you, Darren. Good, good. So um, for people that haven't obviously heard of you before or come across Burko Chiropractic, can you give us a little bit of background and insight into you as to how you've obviously got to where you got to today? Uh, Yes, that would be a pleasure. Um, So I started my... um, my journey into being a chiropractor in my teenage years, because actually I had a nasty uh, injury. I fell down a flight of stairs, um, tried the usual routes. I grew up in um, down in Wiltshire, so uh, sort of out in the sticks. Uh, so I went down the usual routes of seeing the GP who referred me to a physio. Um, I'd really, really injured my lower back and nothing was really working. I'd had to give up a lot of sport. Um, I couldn't walk very well. Uh, I then had knee problems. Um, anyway, someone suggested going to see a chiropractor, which we had to do a 45 minute drive to go and find this chiropractor. Um, I had headaches at the time as well. So I was, I used to ride horses. So I'd had lots and lots of injuries over the years. Um, and it changed my life. Literally. Uh, I saw this chiropractor, he adjusted my full spine. Um, and that was it. So then I was working towards sort of um, career choices, et cetera. Mm. And it had such a profound effect on me that, that um, yeah, I was just sort of inspired. I was always keen on doing something like I wanted to perhaps be a vet or a dentist or, you know, I was interested in the body and how it worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was that. So, yes, I, um, I knew from a very young age 
that it was what I wanted to do. And then so off I went to college and I, I guess chiropractic can be compared more to an apprenticeship. You do your training, but you also, it's a very sort of, um, you literally get trained to be a chiropractor. So um, I went down and I did that in Bournemouth at the AECC. Um, and then I, uh, I actually came to Berkhamsted as a new graduate. Right. Um, and I've been here and worked at various other places since that time. The clinic, uh, Berkhamsted Chiropractic, has actually been there since 1931. Wow. We're celebrating 90 years this year. And uh, I think I'm right in saying we're the oldest chiropractic clinic um, still to be in the same premises, still running uh, in uh, the UK. Wow. So I sort of consider myself at the moment the custodian of <laughs> Berkhamsted Chiropractic, although, um, you know, it is, my, it is now my, my business. Um, it's a very, yeah, it's a really special place. It comes sort of steeped in history and um, people have been going there for generations. You know, we've been supporting families in, in and around Berkhamsted for generations and it's, that's really special. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I agree with particularly the, the view you have from your clinic anyway out into the garden. I'm very envious. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. It's, um, I remember going for a job interview to a chiropractic place um, that was this garden room. And I remember standing in there. I didn't want that job at all. I, I sort of decided already just from a few minutes of being there. Because when you first graduate, you have to do a year um sort of mentorship with another chiropractor um and so you know I obviously wanted to choose quite carefully who I spent that time with um but I loved this place and I always sort of as I stood there I thought I want to practice um in an environment like this Mm. and yeah it's really lovely I've got the garden and I have the doors open and the birds sing, you know, I do literally have to pinch myself yeah. um, when I think lots and lots of people work in offices and in front of computers. And there I am, you know, I get to do something I love very, very much in such a beautiful um, space every single day. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is awesome. <laughs> so one of the reasons I wanted to invite you on today was obviously, you know, I've been coming to see you since I think October last year. But the, the reason I wanted to kind of get you on and talk about chiropractic in general, but there, there tends to be this big confusion in the kind of marketplace on whether who you should see. Should you yes. see a physio? Should you see a chiro? Should you see, you know, other people? And for me, after obviously seeing you, I believe we need to see everyone, <laughs> quite yes. frankly. And so it'd be good for the listeners to kind of, for you to kind of give your take on, you know, where physiotherapy fits in, where chiropractic fits in, and osteopaths and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a great question. One of my favourites that we get asked, obviously, quite a lot. Um, I think what, the reason it's one of my favourite questions is because you can, it can be interpreted and answered in so many different ways, I guess. I think um, in all of those realms with the physiotherapy, chiropractic, osteopathy, even sports therapy these days, more manual therapies, um, personal trainers are perhaps doing more sports, deep tissue massage stuff. So they're venturing into the realms of, of sports therapy and things like that. Um, I guess my first response is it's about making sure um, 
you're seeing the person that you want to see, if that makes sense. You know, you sort of build a rapport with that person. You have a same understanding of what you want to get out of while you're there, common goals um, and things like that. Um, do you want me to venture into the differences between chiropractic? Yeah, it would, that would be great for <laughs> okay. me personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so my understanding, because this chiropractic, chiropractic can be quite different for different people even us as practitioners you know we can practice chiropractic quite differently and that's I think the beauty of what we do is that there's no sort of set um, framework we we learn our skills and then we can because we we can advise on lots of lifestyle things we can we can really branch out and and do it in a way that we want to do you know a sports chiropractic for example that work with football teams or cycling teams or um, you know, family chiropractic, or, you know, some people just work with pregnant women. Um, so for me, um, I work in, I would call it a family practice. Um, for me, what chiropractic is about, so chiropractic means to do by hand. Um, we, I work on people's spines with the aim of restoring normal function to the movement of the spinal joints. Um, what so lots of people come and see chiropractors because they you know they have pain in their neck or in their low back Um, and I guess sometimes the understanding is that we adjust the joint where the pain is and the pain goes away but there is so so much more to it than that in terms of um, the neurology behind what we do and why it works Um, so for for chiropractic and for for the way I work, it's about making sure there's good connection um, and communication between the brain and the body. So if a joint in the spine isn't working or isn't, sorry, isn't uh, moving and functioning as it should be, that's going to distort the communication between the brain and the body. And therefore the body cannot, the brain can't see the body in the way it should. So that communication is lost. So what my aim always is to restore normal function um, to the spine. Right. Um, right. So that's, I, I mean, I could talk about that for 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, there is so much to it. I think um, in my lifetime, a guy won, a neurobiologist won the Nobel Prize for uh, finding out that I think 90% of the stimulation and nutrition to the brain comes from the spine. Wow. Um, obviously, which is huge. So if your spine isn't moving and functioning as it should, your brain isn't getting the input it needs to figure out what to do with the rest of your body. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're finding out more and more stuff like that. Some really, really cool research um, telling us about um, the effects of good spinal movement input to the brain and how that um prevents injury and pain yeah stuff like that so that's chiropractic um it's really hard for me to comment on what i think osteopathy and physiotherapy is um so physiotherapy so i work with some physios um and for me, so I'm functioning on, I'm focusing on restoring that normal function to the spine. And, you know, as you know, I work on knees and ankles and wrists and elbows and, you know, whatever is needed. Um, and then obviously the rehab 
side of things is super, super important because once you have got the spine functioning in a way where it can see and see, see is not quite the right word, but, you know, it's getting input well from the rest of the body, you can then work with the strengthening stuff in a much, much more efficient way, you know. Um, For example, if someone has knee pain, (laughs) uh, they can be doing some awesome rehab work but if their if their sacroiliac joints and their lower lumbar spine is restricted and not giving good feedback, the brain isn't going to see and feel what's happening in that part of the body yeah. very yeah. well. Um, and I love the saying, you know, practice makes permanent. Practice doesn't make perfect. Right. Um, right. So you can practice and practice, and that that doesn't make it okay. Um, and that's like, you know, we are often a last port of call. Some people have often seen this person and that person and the other person, and then they end up in our office. Um, yeah. we're, we're used to being sort of last ditch hotel uh, <laughs> or last chance hotel uh, in that respect. So, yeah, the physiotherapy and obviously physios are doing lots of deep tissue muscle work. As a chiropractor, I don't do any deep tissue muscle work. I've got colleagues in the same practice who do. Um, but as sort of personal choice i send people to go and see physios or have deep tissue massage therapy for that that muscle work which again is really really important those stretch receptors in the muscle need to be um firing up again to make sure you're getting really good feedback in terms of proprioception to your brain so yeah that's super super important um and then Moving on to osteopathy. So I've had, I have worked with osteopaths who are more similar to me than other chiropractors. Right. Um, so there, I would say there is quite a lot of overlap. Okay. In these days, actually in philosophy and in actually what we do on a day-to-day basis between osteopaths and chiropractors personally. Um Way back when, the reason that we're different professions, because obviously if you went to see an osteopath and a chiropractor, we essentially seem to do that same manual yeah. adjustments. Yeah. And people are often a bit confused as, you know, we're just doing exactly the same thing. Um, but the reason we branched out into two different professions, as far as I understand it, is that uh, when long, long before anyone really knew how the body was working, which I still think we've got a lot to learn, um, yeah osteopaths believed that when they were doing those adjustments they were affecting blood flow right chiropractors the part you know the palmers believed that they were affecting uh nerve flow and they didn't agree and so off they went to osteopathy and chiropractic yeah Um, But and that was that. In terms of like the the process, in order to understand both of those professions, is the 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 learning and the the time you take to go through and, and become either an osteochore is that fairly similar? Um, I believe so. I think I think we do a bit longer as chiropractors, but right. that might have changed. I graduated um, in two thousand and two, so a while ago now. But when I graduated. Um, Yes, the chiropractic course was longer. We also get trained to uh, read and take x-rays. Ah, okay. Um, So we have that radiology qualification when we come out Mm. of college, um, which osteopaths don't do. So the reason that chiropractors have done that historically was to look at the positioning of the the bones Mm -hmm. um, and 
analyze um yeah discrepancies in alignment of the bones in that way um obviously x-rays the way we read x-rays has changed a lot in that time um Again, I could talk for another 45 minutes on on the pros and cons of us being able to do that in a clinic setting. Um, Yeah, because I believe it can be really, really beneficial to. Yeah. Well, no, I think I think it's really helpful to kind of at least get a description from your perspective of of what the professions are, because often when you hear people that have a problem, particularly men, their default response to resolving (laughs) the problem is. I just need to go and see a physio. I've got a pain or an ache or a, a tight muscle here. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go and see a physio and they're going to work on that part there yeah. and it will fix it. And often, as I found through trial and error, that's not the case. Yeah. You know, so, so where you're feeling whatever restricted muscle or pain it is, tends not to be where the actual problem is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important to point out because symptoms – um you know literally are the tip of the iceberg yeah um and you have to consider so much more around why you're um expressing a symptom in a certain area and it's all very well you can poke that symptom and push it and press it and make it feel better but is that going to change the way you function so that that symptom doesn't appear again as a a, you know an alarm bell um no not just poking it and prodding it, that doesn't make it go away. You have to uh, consider the function of, um, yeah, that, that much more sort of deeper neurological understanding of communication between the joints and the brain and how to ensure that is as clear communication as possible. That's what sports chiropractors are working with um, in terms of injury prevention, you know, at that elite level. They, they aren't working on people's pain. They're working on people's function every day, along with lots and lots of other, you know, lots of physios, um, muscle workers, you know, all those sorts of people within a team, nutritionists uh, within a team to ensure that people are functioning at their best for injury prevention. Um, and I believe that should be applied to the general public as well. Yeah. Um, there's no reason that should just be for uh, elite athletes. You know, we've got the knowledge. It's about working as a collective in the um, public domain to ensure that people understand how their bodies work. It, yeah. It's um, it's a shame that people don't have that deeper understanding of symptoms, yeah. That, yeah. that it isn't. Um, yeah, it, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really key point to highlight. And I think men are probably the world's worst, and I put yeah. myself in that category because it had to take me to get a squash disc on the left side yeah. before I started to do anything. And I would happily get out of bed in the morning in a state where I was completely immobile and inflexible for the first five minutes because I thought, well, that was cool because that was from previous days' training. And actually, you know, what I've learned from coming to see you is that actually I can perform better with less effort if all of my, you know, my spine is in alignment and my mobility, my flexibility is all as it's the body's designed to work. But we, you know, men just wait until there is a problem and then they go and try and find the magic pill to get it fixed. And then 
the pain's gone and then they just carry on right whereas yeah, and then you end up with a disc problem you know that's a perfect example mm. um yeah. you know a disc problem is a proper soft tissue injury from long-term dysfunction uh within a certain area yeah you know it doesn't just happen suddenly no. Um, and people say that, you know, oh, I bent down to pick up my sock and you get a disc herniation. And it's like, how many times in your life have you picked up a sock and it hasn't caused a disc herniation? So is the problem bending down to pick up the sock? No. <laughs> the problem is the adaptations your body has made because of, I don't know, some, some trauma or um, postural thing or, or whatever. Um, and then... You know, it's the straw that broke the camel's back that one day that you went to pick yeah. up the sock or the kettle. That's another one people do, you know, or load the dishwasher. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you end up with a disc herniation and people can get really frustrated because they're like, why did that happen? And that's where that deeper understanding of how your body works needs to be more widespread, I think. And like you say, dads don't want to put them on the spot there, but yeah. um there, they, there is like this cultural, you know, structure whereby men just keep going and don't ask for help as readily as I believe they should. Yeah. Um, yeah. A bit scared to put their head above the parapet and say, oh, I'm struggling. Yeah. Um, I need help. Um, and yeah, just plow on and do do that thing where they think, oh, if I do these stretches, that's going to that's going to fix it. Right. Or if I take these painkillers, it'll go away like magically. Like you say, this magic wand or magic pill that will make it disappear. Um, and sadly, it doesn't work like that. No. And I, and I think it's it's a combination of like the, ca the caveman approach and the ego getting in the way. Right. Yeah. We, 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 like you say, we don't want to admit that we're in pain. We don't want to admit that we're perhaps not in a good place. Yeah. Um, we want to maintain this macho image and we want to continue. We'll just pop a few pills and carry on. But, but actually, I think if you are really concerned about long-term health, longevity, you know, this, and I come back to this all the time and that's maintenance, you know, and mm -hmm. I think men can understand this point. And that is, I put a post out about this earlier on this week about the, the engine management light on your car. Yeah. If a guy gets into his car today and that comes on, he'll have a massive panic attack. He'll be on the phone <laughs> to the garage, he'll get it booked in and he'll get it sorted. But when that happens to us, mm -hmm. we ignore it. Yeah. That yeah. symptom is that alarm bell. You know, by the time you get to a symptom, it's not just a warning light. It's a beeping, <laughs> you know, something needs attention. Yeah. Um, and you can't keep ignoring it or just taking painkillers and hoping it's going to go away because no. it will man it will manifest in a different way at a different time. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. my my belief and my understanding of how the, you know, how the human body works. It will come and get you yeah. <laughs> in another form at another time. And this is, you know, this is not necessarily, if people are listening to this and, and they're not necessarily yet hitting the gym hard or doing specific workouts or the specific sports, this is just daily, day-to-day -day living, isn't it, that we, we need yeah. to be aware of and we need to start maintaining our bodies better. Yeah, yeah. And so this is where it comes down to, you know, what causes these problems in your spine and your emotional state will cause you to have problems 
within your spine you know so if you think about how and people like what how does that work and so if you actually look at the physiology behind that if you go into a fight or flight state so if you're in a stressed state you lift your shoulders you um your heart rate goes up your respiratory rate goes up that will change the function of your rib cage of your spine the tone around your neck muscles that fight or flight state that we're supposed to be in so temporarily sadly is a state that especially this last year that people have been in for much much more extended periods of time and we know that things like heart disease type 2 diabetes things like that come from being in that extended fight or flight state or extended stress hormone state and indeed yeah we we end up with tensions in our body from being in that state so we need to and this is where our lifestyle advice comes in we're trying to help coach people out of that and into their rest and digest state so that their bodies can relax they can you know reduce that that increased tone that's always going on in their spine and and actually allow it to rest and stretch um and move in a more gentle and effective way so so yeah our our emotions contribute to restriction in your spine um if you actually really look at the physiology yeah and i think again that's an important understanding to have because if you if i were to talk to any of my clients about that they would probably look at me strange, but obviously you can explain mm. it in the medical sense. I understand it a bit better now. So mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. the stresses and strains that we're under, how we yeah. show up, how we show up in our careers and with the family. And, you know, there's some very simple processes that we can implement, isn't there, in our, into our kind of daily routine that will start to help us not continually be in that state. Yeah, absolutely. So what, one thing that I'm really working on with people at the moment because it seems to be a thing uh it's just some breath work um trying to get dads to do breath work (laughs) (laughs) um you're all showing up and doing it so thank you well done but it takes a bit of a bigger understanding and conversation Mm. around why breathing uh more um consciously uh can affect how you perform perform for example in a sporting sense yeah um and that's a really good way to get at it with people who do want to perform Mm. is to actually explain to them you know if you want to perform efficiently and like you said if you're if you're taking care of your spine and you're doing the work you can perform so much more efficiently um so yeah by putting in the groundwork into your general state nutritionally emotionally um and physically that will contribute greatly you know that's the foundation to helping you um perform much more efficiently and people are always a bit surprised by that when they come and see us and then we start talking about this stuff and then they're like hey oh i've noticed that when i do this and this and this and you're like yeah yeah we see it all the time (laughs) i believe you and i have had that conversation yes yeah absolutely (laughs) Yeah, and it, and it is. And that I think as well, there'll be a large majority of people listening who will have desk-based jobs. And, you know, that, as we know, and this sounds a bit of a, I guess, a marketing term, but sitting is the new smoking, so I've heard and all the rest of well, it. Well, so the one I like is sitting to your spine. Uh, sitting to your spine is like sugar, sugar to your teeth. Oh, right. Um, That's good. That's yeah, good. it is that, that it causes decay, basically. Mm. 
yeah so so for people listening to this then maybe even sitting at a desk you know what, yeah. what, would, you, what would you say are the kind of kind of maintenance things they could start to implement to alleviate that because not everybody's going to be able to go into their office and say right I want to stand up desk you know no. they have that luxury so movement is right. key so just making sure you move um uh, there's some great resources out there about um I think it's called Stand Up Britain. Right. Um, trying to get people because in other countries, standing desks are you know the norm in lots yeah. of office office spaces. It's just us Brits that insist on our lovely leather chairs and big oak desks. You know, I think that is part of that that tradition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, there's so much research on how moving helps with again coming back to you know diseases of chronic living, heart disease, diabetes. Um, cancer, Alzheimer's, all those sorts of things. There's loads and loads of research on how movement uh, reduces uh, the, the likelihood of you getting those sorts of things. And it's the same when it comes to spinal decay, you know, if you move. So the way our joints get their nourishment is through that movement. If you think of the cartilage like a big sponge, the way it sort of squeezes nutrients in and out is through loading and, yeah. and unloading um, and certainly the way we're pumping blood back from our feet for example is by the muscles working on the veins to actually shunt blood back up to our heart so you're not getting that stagnation so if you just think like that and visualize that mm-hmm. um, so if you're sitting you there's you can sit on something I recommend quite often called a sit fit which is like a round squishy cushion so instead of sitting on your pelvis so so yeah. much you're actually sitting on a wobbly cushion so and and you know as humans we just tend to like wobble around if we're going to yeah. sit on something like that you have a little mess around with it um encouraging people to maybe have two different chairs like maybe have a kneely chair or a stool and then your normal chair so you can do a couple of hours in one and then a couple of hours in another in a different posture um or little habits like if you're going to take a phone call stand up and chat while you're standing stand on one leg even better do some balance work whilst you're doing it um and that's just about making good habits and wanting to take care of yourself you know and it comes down to that i mean i guess that's like kind of like we've touched on about showing up for yourself um you've got to want to do that um remove any roadblocks i guess for for wanting to do that but yeah setting little um yeah little habits i have people put post-it notes on their screens and set alarms on their phones and yeah things like that so just uh there's some lovely little exercises you can do while sitting at your desk you know so you can sit um, and do some stretches that yeah, I often share with the practice members. So there's lots of ways to move while still being um, effective at your desk. Yeah, I think, and I think there's two things you said there. One is, you know, well, if you're listening to this anyway, you're aware that you want mm. to change. And mm. then there's habits, isn't there? There's putting, you know, daily things in place to, to like you say, alerts on your phone post-it notes things like that setting up your environment so that it's conducive for you to do those things you know the mm-hmm. sit on and everything else like that um because i think you know you and i've had this discussion about when i was doing my stretching i wasn't do- initially when i had the pain funnily enough i was doing them the pain yeah. subsided, and then you know i just 
gradually forgot to do them. Yeah. Whereas, you know, and, and if I got to a point in the day where I was really tired, they weren't as effective. So it's about, okay, being aware of that and then putting practices in place to do it at different times in the day, but making sure you're consistent with it as well, I think is, yeah. is another important thing. Yeah. And again, I do think that's slightly cultural. You know, we all clean our teeth, right? Yeah. We all go to the opticians. You wear glasses if you can't see, you know. Yeah. We're taught to look after our bodies in certain ways. Why are we sort of missing out that movement? Mm. Um, as humans, you know, we should all should absolutely be moving our bodies for at least 20 minutes every day. Yeah. Um, yeah at least <laughs> um so yeah and i think that's a bigger societal question as to why why we're not doing that um when we all clean our teeth every day yeah and i, I think you know we we are or well, some somebody said a good phrase to me last week um we're de-evolving as humans yeah we're de-evolving you know be, i've heard that one yeah becoming more sedentary Everything is on this electronic block that's in front of our faces. We have less need to go out and do certain things. You know, walk into the shops, you're more inclined to get into the car. You know, all little things like that. And again, it just comes back to understanding and awareness. You know, mm -hmm. it's what rather than waiting until there is a huge problem, build that in part of your daily routine. Like you say, cleaning your teeth, but. Unfortunately, we don't until there is a problem. Um, mm. So so in terms of, you know, next level, so we obviously identified habits that we can implement into our daily routines. Um, I now believe, you know, seeing a chiropractor once a month for me personally, given what I do, is key for my, not just my performance, but for my long-term health uh, yeah. and longevity. So you know, rather than waiting until there's a pain there or there's an issue or an emo, you know, I'm a little bit immobile in certain areas, what would you say are the next, you know, things that people can do, like stretching and? Um, so everyone should see a chiropractor. <laughs> of course. Um, that is, you know, that for me, that is, yeah, such a deep set belief. I really don't know how people get through life without well, having their well, spines attended to. But no, anyway. I mean... <laughs> No, if I, if I can just interrupt you there as well. And what, what you said to me recently really struck home for me. You, you said you see this lady, I think she, you said she was 93 and she still plays tennis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, well, that's what I want to do. Yeah, so me too. If, if me I too. Need, you know, if that means I come and see a chiropractor from now until I'm in my 90s, that's what I'm going to do. Because yes. why wouldn't you? Yeah, why wouldn't you? And it is this thing about... I guess, you know, next level, why wait for pain before we show up to take care of our bodies? Mm. That's probably next level for me. Like the self-care should be there and be in place just to achieve health and longevity. Mm. Um, it shouldn't be something we do when everything goes wrong. No. no. Um, so that's your nutrition, your exercise, and then your emotional health as well and we're really good as a population about just winging it until <laughs> it all goes wrong yeah. and then thinking why why has this happened to me you know what did I do wrong um and that's just lack of education sadly from you know being a, a, a child onwards you know we never really really get taught what self-care means 
and how we should be approaching it from every every angle of our life. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we all we all hear those stories of the guy that was super fit and healthy, and he went for a run and he had a heart attack. Yeah. Um, and so people believe that that person is healthy, and therefore there's nothing they can do. No. That means that you know they aren't in control of of their health, and that's just not true. We are in control of our health, um, but you have to have a much deeper understanding of nutrition, um, a deeper understanding of what emotional health is, um, and yeah, showing up for your body every day. Yeah, um, to align yourself with that journey towards you know, health and longevity. And if you really ask people what the most important thing in their life is, it often is they want to be healthy, yeah. but they just yeah. don't know how to do it. Um, I, and I think not wanting to get too much on my soapbox, I think we have given, <laughs> we have given up our, the, the responsibility of health to an external organisation being the NHS. And I think... Yeah. I've said this many times before, the NHS is, a, is an amazing organisation, but I think the model in which we follow as, hu- as a population is broken. So, you know, health is not going to see a doctor. Health is daily. You can't yeah. daily manage and monitor your health like you manage and monitor your car, your heating system and, and all that kind of stuff at home. And yeah. I think if, if the last year has taught us anything, it is absolute proof that as a as a population we are winging it because you know this virus wouldn't have taken so much of a hold had we not been looking after our health um and you know it's whilst the you know what you're explaining and and the science behind it is very detailed and and sometimes difficult to understand i believe the actual practice of implementing that is relatively straightforward oh yeah super simple yeah 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 and i think this is that that bigger question of what is health Mm. um and is it merely the absence of disease or you know what is it your ability to perform and function in in any way you desire yeah um and that's a much bigger question i think we should all be asking ourselves you know the nhs is great at sick care Believe you me, if I have a car accident or, you know, anything, I, I want to go <laughs> to that place and, and, and for those people to help me. But the, I, there's a great analogy that if, um, in terms, because obviously we get lumped into the term of alternative or uh, practitioners or something like that. But, you know, so if your house was burning down, you call the fire brigade, right? And they turn up with hoses and axes and whatever, and they put the fire out. Yeah. But then what happens once you've put the fire out? Are you going to want to live in that house? Yeah. Um, the answer is obviously no. And so that's where you the self-care comes in, you know, the decorators and the um, soft furnishings and the, you know, all those things that make a place habitable mm. safely. Um, and... And I think that's a good way to think of our bodies. You know, if something does go wrong, yes, sometimes we need to take some really serious and drastic action. Um, but then you have to really put the work in to the finer detail to take care, you know, take care of where we live. And 
we've only got one of those, right? Yeah. And that, you know, that, yeah, that's an important point in, in so much as, yeah, it's, it's sometimes in a lot of cases, it's too late. You, know, mm. you have gone past the point of not necessarily no return, but the point of where you can actually bring your health back to where it once was mm. you know, it's deteriorated to such a point that you can get it to a level, but not a level back where, where you were. So it's in, you know, and it's not just a case of going to have a, as a procedure or anything else. Surgery, to yeah. 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 You know, lots of times people come to me with back problems and they think they can just go and have surgery and it's all going to, to go away and the truth is we support so many people in and around having surgery because yeah. you know the surgery is is putting out the fire um but there's a lot more to it than that yeah absolutely so what would you say are the five things that <laughs> dads guys listen to this could do today to to kind of make it so that they don't go that past that point of no return Oh, good question. You could have given me that in advance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So things I think are particularly for dads. Yeah. Who do like to just plow on uh, and and perhaps not stop and reflect on what's going on in their bodies. So um, movement is number, number one. We absolutely know that that is the best thing you can do to support your physical and emotional well-being uh full stop so you need to choose something you love choose something you want to do otherwise you're never going to do it don't wake up one morning and say oh i'm going to go to the gym five times this week and like beast myself in a hit class if you hate it because that's literally like self-torture so don't do that um you know if you like to walk or if you like to play golf or or, you know, gen- gentle exercise is great. It's literally, it is about the movement rather than the sport, if you yeah. see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so go for a walk, ride your bike. Don't compete with anyone else. Hardest <laughs> <laughs> thing to avoid, I think. Yeah, that's not what it's about. It's about showing up for yourself. Yeah. And improving yourself. Um, and I see that a lot. People start and they take up something and then they sort of talk themselves out of it because they're never going to be the world's best. And that's not what it's about. It's about health and longevity. Um, so if you come at it from that perspective, I think, yeah, just, just start moving. Yeah. Um, make it fit in your day. You know, if it works at lunchtime or in the evening, yeah, again, don't beat yourself up about it. And if one day you don't do it as well as you did it the day before, don't sweat it, you know, mm. just show up again the next day. Um, so yeah, movement, uh, breathing is actually a really good one, uh, because everyone's this, I could talk about this fight or flight and bringing ourselves back down into a rest and digest and breath work is a really good way to do that. I did a little Instagram post about that last week. Um, just a really little simple breathing exercise. There's loads and loads and loads of breathing exercises you can do. Um, but yeah, essentially breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth holding at the top and the bottom of the breath. Um, and that will help bring down yeah, heart rate, respiratory rate, stress, basically. Yeah. It's a really lovely, lovely way to access that if you're stressed and anxious, uh, which a lot of people are at the moment. 100%. Um, so breath work. Uh, for, um, nutrition. 
Yeah. Uh, where do we start on that? <laughs> um, I guess my top tip about the nutrition stuff is to just try and eat real food. Yeah. And I know, you know, there's so many ways you can approach nutrition these days. Um, but just try and eat real food um, within your belief system, you know, whichever way you want that to go. Um, but yeah, staying away from processed pre-prepared food and trying to ensure you're, you're cooking your own food at home. I know that can sometimes sound like a daunting task for some dads. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, again, just making, we have, it's a bit cliche, the same 24 hours in a day and, and it doesn't have to be difficult. You can cook a nutrition meal with, in under 15 minutes. Oh, so yeah, especially with kids. So uh, I'm a great one for this. So, you know, I'll give my kids a boiled egg and some raw carrots and cucumber for tea. And yeah. I'm like, that is dinner. Okay. It's not, you know, <laughs> it is very nutritionally, um, you know, dense. Yeah. But it's not, I haven't slaved for, you know, three hours over shepherd's pie or yeah. whatever it may be. And, yeah, you know, that's super, super healthy food for them. Yeah. Um, and, and me. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's three. Um, another good one is actually, I guess, we'll, is about emotionally moving forward towards those things. So yeah. listening to that voice inside your head that's always like, I guess I touched on that by saying, you know, when you're exercising, it's about you and your steps forward, not comparing yourself to anyone else. And that comes across all those fields. Um, just listening to the chat that's going on in your head a little bit and becoming aware of that. Um, especially the negative self-talk that people can have around making changes towards better health. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, I haven't got time. I can't do this. I can't. I can't. And just trying to reframe that into, you know, I'll do the best I can right now. Yeah. Um, and that means different things for different people. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a whole topic right there. <laughs> hey. um, but yeah, I guess I guess the first thing is just becoming aware of that. Um, that's for what's number five. Go to your chiropractor. Yeah, or I, I won't narrow that down to a chiropractor. Go and see someone who will help you take care of your body. Don't think that stuff has to go wrong before you go and seek help. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, everyone who is doing exercise on purpose is an athlete. Yeah. And... That means, you know, if you're, yeah, whatever exercise that may be. Uh, and that means you need support from um, others around you to help you achieve that. You know, there's cave drawings of people standing on each other's backs and pulling their arms around. You know, we've been taking care of each other's bodies for as long, you know, since, since time began for humans. Um, don't think that you have to wait uh, for a symptom to do that because you absolutely don't and more and more thankfully uh 
people are seeking out care just just to show up and say, hey, this is my body. What do you think? Yeah. What can, yeah. I, what can I do to help it rather than wait for things to go wrong? Yeah. And I think that final point is a great one, actually, because I think what just came up for me there as you talking about that is, is often when we think about fitness, we immediately go for a run or to the gym, whereas actually the the whatever endeavor it is you want to you know take up actually could be way more enjoyable if the general function of your body was in a better state yeah and it wouldn't feel like it was so hard or so much of an effort you know yeah. if your spine was in a line and your mobility was good um yeah i think that would be a, a great approach to take yeah yeah you know imagine if everyone was for example, seeing a chiropractor and having a massage once a month. Yeah. Imagine how much happier the population would be, right? Yeah. Just that little, that little bit of self-care. Um, yeah. And again, lots of other, lots of other, other cultures do that. You know, that is more of a cultural norm in other places. That's yeah. a very British, you know, stiff upper lip. We must carry on. We don't need help. Um, uh, dare I say it's slightly male, uh, <laughs> masculine uh, trait that people have. So yeah yeah reach out for support and and don't and yeah embrace it and take it for what it is and enjoy it yeah absolutely well I mean it's definitely had a profound impact on all various different areas you know particularly with the sport I do and exercise and just general mobility uh stretching and and that type of thing so yeah I can highly recommend it so thank (laughs) Thank you you. very much for for coming on to the podcast today I really appreciate Um, giving me your time um welcome if people want to connect with Burko Cairo, what's the URLs, Instagram, follow you on Instagram, trying to convince you to do more videos. I know. <laughs> That's my personal block, right? That yeah. I need to do more videos. So we are on Instagram, we're Burko Cairo. Uh, we've got a Facebook page out, or there I admit it, I don't use very often. Yeah. Um, I'm just so busy in practice seeing practice members you know my my work is face to face I'm I'm not often in front of a computer but yeah we're trying to add some value with uh, sort of a YouTube channel and and actually just trying to get the message out there a bit more about things you can do towards health because I think it's a really important public message you don't just need to see a chiropractor to learn about that and I I would like to share that more so yeah I'm starting to do some more Instagram stuff um, that's probably the best place to sort of find us. There's, we've got quite a few. There's four chiropractors at Berkhamsted Chiropractic. Um, so yeah, we've like, yeah we've got the Instagram there and our website, Berkhamsted Chiropractic. You can have a look on there and find out a bit more about who's there and what we're doing. Yeah, perfect. All right then, Lauren. Thank you very much for your time today, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Lovely. Thanks so much, Darren. That's great. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe and I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes and a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.